You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. If you want to learn about the music industry and you don't know where to go, tune in to WP88.7. Professor David Kirkfield, along with Dr. Esteban. Marconi Emeritus. Yes, it is awesome to have you, Dr. Marconi. We are beginning a brand new year. This is the year. Happy New Year. Yes, happy 2022 to you. And how many years is this now for this podcast? This, um, yeah, we started in March of 14, and now it's two months before March of 20. No, eight. Eight eight years. Yeah. Yeah. We should give thanks, Dr. Stabon, before we get to our guest, Jason Kupperman of the Golden Gate. Sure. All right. So we're going to give thanks to the folks at Van Dyne, Bruno, Inc. and White Hat Management with artists like Dave Matthews, Three Doors Down, St. Vincent Kiss, Zach Brown, who just uh, caught COVID, and Team Likes Music. There's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to vb-cpa.com when you're ready. And our thanks go out to Christine. Oi. They, a wealth manager at the Forefront, F-O-U-R, Forefront Group. Christine has helped professionals all over the world and in parts of outer space manage their investments, plan out for the retirement when somebody like you is thinking of building a bridge to your personal financial future. Think about the Forefront Group and go to Christine at Forefront.com. The last oil off for savings. As you should always do. Managing Your Band 7th Edition is out. It is rocking and people are- Another year. Wow. People were sending me pictures. They got it for Christmas. Wow, that's good. I didn't get that. You didn't get it for Christmas or you didn't get any? No, I didn't get any um, notices. No, okay. Well, the fact is they're buying it and they're buying it because of you. So and maybe because of the centerfold because you're- Maybe, the one of you. Centerfold. Yes. Yeah, you put Burt Reynolds to shame. <laughs> that's right. 
And I'm sure all our listeners are wondering, who's Burt Reynolds? Of course, it's Ryan Reynolds' father, of course. Yes. So we are here and we have Jason Kupperman, our new best bestest buddy, our BFF. Jason runs the Golden Gate Talent Agency, and we're going to learn all about that today. And Dr. Esteban, you're going to start the third degree with Jason. Hello, Jason. Great to have you here on Music is 101 and more. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Great. So, Jason, you left during the pandemic a very uh, cozy job at Paragram. <laughs> I was at Paradigm for almost 15 years. Mm -hmm. We had the pandemic hit and a lot of changes happened and it gave me the opportunity, you know, all of us in this industry are just going, 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 don't often have the opportunity to just stop and reflect and reevaluate. And that was a, a real opportunity to look at what I was doing well, what I needed to improve upon. Was I happy? And from that emerged this new agency, which I'm incredibly proud of. Great. So you were you were a full agent about 12 years or so? Uh, about 11. Okay. And it was, uh, how was the setup at Paradigm? Was it the normal, well, the old setup where you had a territory that you covered? and other agents had territories or was it the, sort of the newer model? So, so I started at Monterey Peninsula Artists, which at the time was a territory system. And then uh, the contemporary department slowly started transitioning out of that. So by the time uh, we got bought by Paradigm and it was announced, and then I came back to New York with the exception of the adult contemporary department, the PAC department, um, we were uh, an RA system. Mm -hmm. well, explain that for the, our audience. Yeah, oh, sorry, RA means responsible, I apologize, means responsible agent. So essentially you represent your own clients. There are departments such as the college department or the festival department, but you are the point person as right. opposed to delegating out based on a certain region in the country. Right. Okay. So there were still then guys that handled, for instance, Midwest College as a territory, but they had also R they were also RA. Um, it it was becoming more rare for uh, the departments, whether it was festival or college, to RA a client. Mm. Um, Certainly in the PAC department, um, agents were doubling as territory NRAs. Um, but for the most part, I mean, just to pro and con both sides of things, the rationale behind a territory system is if you focus on a certain area of the country, your relationships are going to be that much stronger and you can leverage uh, clients off of each other and leverage relationships to get the best opportunities for your clients. Con mm -hmm. of that is if the actual RA of the client um, gets no pun intended territorial over a client, say that client is a, a big client or starting to happen and wants to basically control the narrative and is only giving that territorial the 
baby bands, the developmental bands, you lose all the leverage. So the only way the territory system really works is if you are able to have all levels of client. Um, With the responsible agent system, which I personally subscribe to because I don't think anyone could sell your client better than you can. Um, And certainly the level of care and passion is it's not even going to be close to somebody who's just invested in a certain area that they will rightfully so be invested into the buyer because they need that relationship to thrive uh, in order to support the roster. Yeah. I, I guess the con of a responsible agent system potentially is time. Um, if, if you're delegating out, you have more time uh, to focus on a larger, to have larger bandwidth. Um, I personally subscribe to a smaller roster so that I can really get my hands dirty and be hyper-focused on the details. Um, but there are lots of different types of agents and agents represent their clients in many different types of ways. I don't know that there's one right way to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, I was uh, on ICM in the 70s when I was with the band and I was, it was all territorial. So I was just actually, you were alluding to the political nature of that, that I was going to uh, mention and how the RA system sort of does away with the politics of, of that. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. I mean, I think it's with everything, it's all about communication. Mm -hmm. And so it's and we're in a like I need it now type of environment. Yeah. So I just know from experience, and I have to say, like being in the territory system at Monterey Peninsula Artists really gave me the opportunity when I was coming up to build relationships. Uh, unfortunately, it was very specific to the Midwest, mm-hmm. and so yeah. my relationships in the Midwest to this day are, are very strong and some of my closest friends. Um, but, you know, if you have an RA who's like, I need this tour done in an hour or whatever it is, they're just going to pick up the phone and it loses the impact. And so I could see the pros and cons of it. By the way, I listened to a couple of the podcasts before I hopped on with you guys. So I, I was able to uh, get, get a little uh, background on the, uh, <laughs> on what you guys do and certainly your history of being in a band uh, at ICM. And so su- super fascinating. <laughs> well, um, just going back to the last thing about an agency, the last time I noticed also there was uh, politics when we were there, for instance, one <clears throat> agent liking the point agent. And so you would work a lot in that territory and you'd never touch another territory. And I don't know if he stole the girlfriend from, you know, who knows what happened, but you would just never play that area. And, uh, you know, that was certainly a, um, you know, a a, a minus in terms of that um, structure. So when you left Paradigm, how big was it? How many agents were there? Oh, I don't know the exact number, but it was big. I want to say, it's the music department. Yeah, just the music department. Submitly a hundred. Mm. A lot. It was a big number. Right, right. And number of clients, music clients. 
over 2,000. Wow. Yeah, that's big. I don't yes. know about you, Dave. I didn't expect Paradigm to be that big. Well, and to put that into perspective for our listeners, so Paradigm had 2,000. And at the time we had, we'll call them the big six agencies, because six then, since then Wasserman bought Paradigm. So that still exists. But uh, CAA has bought ICM. So we're sorted down to five. But if you have five, they don't all have 2,000, but even if they did, you know, CAA is probably bigger. Uh, Endeavor is probably bigger. So you're talking about 10,000 plus artists. Imagine all of that traffic out on the road in a year, for example. Now, they all have different cycles, but that's, that's a lot of artists. And you're not even including all the indie, all the indie agencies and all the artists booking their own shows. So there's a lot going on out there. Right. We're just in a different climate now where the accessibility to music is a click of a button. When I started, it was just a completely different mentality where so much of it was word of mouth because you had to pick up the phone and um, you were flying to go see bands. And not that you don't do that anymore, but because there are so many agents and there's so much leverage a song pops onto Spotify and if it hits a playlist, agents are raising their hand. And I'm sure we'll get into this eventually. That's, that's not how my philosophy. That's not how I operate. But certainly when I started, there was this unspoken rule of thumb where you really didn't sign a client unless they could sell a couple hundred tickets in five different areas. Yeah. Now it's like you need to have the foresight and it's not necessarily just about ticket sales because there are all these different areas in which you could build an artist. Mm -hmm. And so now it's like, if, if you think it's there, you start the conversation with the manager, with the artist, and you get it going. And it's sort of a plant your flag type of system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why don't we get into that a little bit then? Since, since, since you brought it up in terms of the, because um, a lot of artists these days, we'll call them the, the up and coming baby bands, developing artists, are still like crazy for the record deal. There's, they still think it's the 80s or 90s or 70s, you know, and, and that, that doesn't matter so much anymore. What really matters is the fan to artist relationship, which hopefully converts to all the social media metrics and streams, but more important, ticket sales. So from your perspective, what are you doing uh, in terms of planting the flag? Because you can do whatever you want because you have your own business, which we'll get into sort of the nuts and bolts of that. But where are you with the planting flag versus I, I can't, you know, if I'm taking 10% of an artist who's selling $500 of tickets, that's only $50 a night. Um, and a, a whole tour of $50, you know, nights isn't going to put food on the table. Um, so where are you in terms of that? And then the whole cycle of, I can maybe do one of those acts, but I need a lot of other acts who are going to bring in more revenue for me and for themselves, blah, blah, blah. So what? Yeah. So I, I could probably answer this question in about five hours, but I will stick to the abbreviated <laughs> version. First and foremost, I'm a live band agent. That seems intuitive. And I think every agent wants to claim that they're a live band agent, but oftentimes when you're signing based off of metrics, 
that there's no proof that the artist can perform live. And so for me, it's, it is about the fan and there's no better indication of the strength of a fan than somebody who buys a concert ticket. So you can have the casual fan who pops on Spotify, hears it on a playlist. What are they doing when they hear it on the playlist? They could be doing their homework or cleaning the dishes. That's, that's a very casual way of listening to a song. And that doesn't indicate that that person's now converted to a fan. So an artist can have 10 million streams on a song, go play Cincinnati, Ohio, and 21 people show up. And so for me, it's, it's not about data. Data is great. It is important and eventually becomes increasingly important. But for me, it's about vision. And most importantly, it's, am I the right agent? There have been a bunch of bands, I don't wanna say plenty, but a bunch of bands that have come in my ears, come across my desk in my inbox where I knew it was gonna be a, a huge band, but I didn't feel it was the right fit for me. And I'm at, thankfully I'm at this point where I can be a bit more picky and really work with artists I love um, part of my French, I have a firm, no asshole policy at, at my company. I, I don't have the patience for that. Don't have the time. Um, I want to work with good people and people who are invested, care about me equal to me caring about them. Um, but going back, it's for me, it's, do I see the vision and does this artist move me and not only move me, but do they move a fan base? You know, when you go see them, are you like, oh, wow, I have not experienced that before. And then they go home and then they tell a friend and the friend pops it on, they listen to it. And then the next time the artist comes back into town, two of them go to the show. So it's a one plus one, or maybe it's one plus one. And then they tell their friend and three people show up. So it's not an exponential model. It's a developmental model but it's a model of building a career over time. And that's the biggest thing. I, I think if I have a blood, sweat and tears pitch for an artist, it's I want you to make music and play live shows for as long as you want. And I want you to go out on your own terms. So, you know, with any artist I sign, I hopefully 99 out of a hundred times, there is no ceiling. I think they can sell at Madison Square Garden. But in actuality, maybe it's really they're selling a thousand tickets to 2000 tickets, which is a career. Any way you slice it, if you can sell a thousand tickets in 25 different places, that's a career. That's a way to support a family. It's a way to be happy. It might not be flashy and it's not how every client is for me, but it is definitely consistent across my roster interesting that was the abbreviated version <laughs> so well how did your this you sort of gave us your philosophy in this obviously were you allowed to have that philosophy when you were a large agency paradise? definitely allowed uh but <laughs> it is a business and my numbers were definitely being watched um I mean, listen, I, I want to make sure that I convey this because I'm obviously, I think you can hear and you'll hear throughout the course of the conversation, I'm very happy with Golden Gate and how this has evolved. 
I was also very happy at Paradigm. Um, yeah, like any company, there are things you don't like, um, but there was never a day where I walked into that office and felt the grass was greener. And my wife has said this repeatedly to me that I am one of few people she knows that wakes up every day and feels lucky to do what he does. And there's oftentimes it's very, I mean, it's every day. It's very stressful is how I support my family. It's yeah. a commission based business. If my bands don't sell, I don't make money. It is a business. Mm -hmm. That being said, <clears throat> I'm incredibly passionate. And all of this is rooted in my love for live music. And the fact that my job, job in quotes, involves me going to a show to see a band I love. And most of the time, people I love is it's a pinch me. It's how did I figure out how to pay my mortgage this way? Because I could wear a suit every day, but instead I'm wearing a, a t-shirt or a, you know, and I get to listen to music and it's constantly experience passion. And I mean, the other thing that we joke about is I can't come up with too many other industries where you meet somebody and it's a handshake. And then at the end of the night, it's a hug and then you put this plan in place to, and you set goals. And then when you reach those goals, you celebrate them. I mean, you know, Mercury Lounge, 250 tickets in New York City. There are tens, if not hundreds of thousands of bands that never reach that, we'll call it a plateau, a level. Right. When you do, it's celebrating, it's hugs, it's a Katz's hot dog, it's it's maybe a bottle of champagne or a soda. If you don't drink, it's, it's this big celebration. Everyone's super happy. It, mm -hmm. And I kind of think it's a different industries where it's, you know, if you hit your goal selling cars for the month, you don't go to the office next door and go give that guy a hug and go to the bar. It's, it's very individualized. And so here there's this team effort where you celebrate and then the next day you set more goals and you go try to achieve those. Mm -hmm. So, there's so much of what we do in the line between business and friends is very blurry in this business. Um, but I feel incredibly lucky. And just going back to the paradigm piece of this, just to be able to step in that office and be surrounded by the genius of the, the greatest agents, not just in the country, but the world, um, that's not something I ever took for granted. And not only that, and a lot of people know this about me, the second I stepped in the door at Monterey Peninsula Artists, I mean, I uprooted my life from New York to Monterey, California, which I don't know how much you know about Monterey. It's oh, yeah. absolutely stunning. Beautiful. Um, Pebble Beach was my backyard, <laughs> but it's a military base and it's a retirement community. And I was a 22-year-old kid. And the people in the office, unless you had a family, we were all we had. We were each other's family. Mm -hmm. And so you know, just to, and it was small. I mean, the office was a cottage. And oddly enough, I didn't think it was too much of a coincidence. My boss's office was a former jail cell. Um, <laughs> uh, but the people there were just under the guidance of Chip Hooper, which 
for those who are listening who know was just an incredible human and force. Um, but Dan Weiner and Fred Bolander and Jonathan Levine, and then the next generation of Duffy and Lynn and Jackie and Hank and Aaron Pincus, and then the next generation um, of you know my age of Joe Atamian and Jeffrey Hassan and Kelly Stelbaski and Jordan Wallace. You think about these people who are just all over the industry now, whether it's Jordan running Governor's Ball or Kelly being a top. Um, uh, pr uh, promoter at, at AG now and Jeffrey being a co-head at UTA Nashville. I mean, it's just incredible people, fruit of the earth. And everyone knows when I start talking about Monterey Peninsula artists, it's just the stories that I have. Um, I, I just feel incredibly lucky and privileged. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about Golden Gate. How big is it? Uh, I'm the only agent. It's how I wanted it to be. I have support, um, but it is very much a model of you get all of me. I have a small roster. That was something at Paradigm where um, I got a lot of support and it was a lot of, you know, we'd have two reviews a year as you're doing great, but sign more. And I would always leave that meeting thinking, I don't want to sign more. Like <laughs> I'll sign when I want to sign. And I noticed at the end, I had a really big roster. I, you know, I was sharing clients with some other people, but it just, it was too big. And it lost the personal feel mm -hmm. that I pride myself on. Mm -hmm. And so this was an opportunity to take a look at my roster. It wasn't that I didn't like all my clients, but it was, here are the artists that I'm hyper-focused on, that I really want to spend all my time on, who I love as people. And, you know, again, no ceiling. And I whittled it down. My roster is now 13 artists. And, I mean, it's hard because I'm a type A and a bit of an obsessive personality. It's, I love my family and they are hands down, I want to, don't want to say hands down. I'm sure my wife will listen to this and laugh because it's <laughs> hard to prioritize. Um, but it's all, it's all almost all I think about, especially because the Giants are so bad. It's like I, all I think about is my artists. I go for a run. I'm jotting notes on my phone. I'm thinking about, you know, what are we doing today in six months and 12 months? And when I'm on the phone, it's what I'm talking about. And I love, you know, we, we get buried sometimes behind the computer and sending emails. It's so important to pick up the phone and have that connection and, or go see somebody. And I think a lot of people know this about me. It's like when I start talking about one of my artists, I become a part of it. I'm just so in love with them, so in love with the music. So that's really, that's the root of Golden Gate is really um, passion and and trust is you know mm -hmm. you get all of me and i don't know why i always reflect and bring up missoula montana it's, it happens to be a very solid concert market but when i'm talking to a band it's like i typically say when you're on a one lane highway in missoula montana and it's snowing and it's a tuesday i want you to know why you're there who puts you there what was the thought process by behind that 
how did we end up here and what's the what's the next thing because with with live shows it's not about that show it's about the next show and the show after that mm -hmm. so I, I would hope though I com I can almost confidently say that I my entire roster feels that for me mm -hmm. and not only do they feel it this is my former boss constantly told me that this is not an effort-based industry this is a results-based industry sure. so not only do they feel the passion but they also get the result and camp out a thousand three out of ten makes the haul but i think that my my track record overall has given me this opportunity to start golden gate um and i think a lot of my roster really benefits from having all of me and my attention being focused on what my goals are for them in collaboration with my goals for Golden Gate. Yeah, you, uh, you sort of answered, but uh, one of the questions I had was you, you must have a ton of confidence to be able to look at a band that you're thinking of signing and you can't bounce it off anyway. You don't have another agent in the office or what do you think Jack or you know that you're just taking full responsibility and that must be tough so so here's the good thing I've I've racked up a couple friends and so even though I've started this on my own um, I share music with other agents a lot mm. I don't share it with agents I think will steal it from me mm -hmm. um, there's some of my closest friends I mean and Joe Atamian at Wasserman was the best man at my wedding. I mean, the, the other joke that we have between each other is if he sends me a band and I like it, that means he shouldn't sign it. So <laughs> we, just, we joke back and forth, but I'm constantly sharing music with other people. What do you think? Just to get a gauge. My number one A&R is my wife. Um, I always share with her. Um, because I, I just want honest opinions. But at the end of the day, if I believe in it, I'm going to go balls to the wall and I'm going to fight for this band and try and win, you know, rack up victories, build the resume and hope it goes somewhere. And not only that, you know, going back to the process of uh, acquiring my roster, it's more important for me, as I noted, to see the vision and to know that they're good people and hardworking people than do they have a record label? Do they have a lawyer? Do they have a publicist? Those things, if I do my job, will come over time. I almost prefer it that way. I almost prefer like, I don't want anyone else standing in my way. If I have a band who's like, I just want to get on the road. I just want to work. Um, How about manager? you sign them without a manager? It happens. And I will say like a band with a bad manager is worse than having no manager. So, and by bad manager, I'm, I think I mean two things. It's either they don't do anything or I've had managers just get focused on the minutia and not really focused on the overall plan and how to get the band from A to B. If you get hyper-focused on just one thing and I'm gonna deliver this one thing, it's like, even if you deliver that one thing, what's next? 
you were just super focused on that individual thing. So in actuality, if it happened, it shows that the manager did something so they could lay claim to that, but it doesn't actually help the band in the long run. So I've signed bands without managers. I've helped put managers in place. Um, I obviously, when that happens, look to favor managers that I trust who have done a great job previously, who I believe are the right manager. Uh, I've put, I've, I put a man, I helped put a manager in place uh, within in the pandemic who I knew, but I'd never worked with before, but was so convinced she was the right person. Mm. And it was so far so good. And, and I, personally, I think it's rewarding for me on the relationship. There's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of bands out there and not everyone can be successful. So it is really, as you guys both know, and I'm sure many of the listeners know, this business is completely about relationships because bands do come and goes go, but the relationships are what remain. And so that has been rewarding is my relationships with managers, buyers, and bands. Yeah, I would say even with bands, because bands, as you say, bands break up, but out of a breakup, one person remains, you know, sting, you know, there's always, for every police, there's a sting, you know, or uh, in, in different ways. So uh, you might, you know, a band might break up, you might end up getting two bands ultimately out of that, you know, so it's just. Bands also talk to bands. Yeah. And yeah. innately, though I really encourage my bands not to do this because you can get lost, bands look at what other bands are doing and often are like, why aren't we doing that? And so I strongly encourage my bands not to do that and remain laser focused on their own project, not get lost in the weeds, trust the process. Um, but other bands look around and, and, you know, when I'm signing, you know, as, as an agent, it's a handshake. It's not like a label deal where you sign papers and you're locked in for X term. It's a handshake. And so when I'm having conversations with artists, I, and this sounds like I'm almost hurting myself, but I encourage artists to talk to other agents because when you sign with me at that point, your head should not be on a swivel. Your, your eyes are moving forward. You are so confident that I'm the right person. And, you know, this industry, because there is so much turnover, that's so crucial to me at Golden Gate, which is I want to represent my artists for a significant length of time. Now, I don't want it to be a six month trial, a 12 month period. Somebody looks after 12 months and is like, we're not where we're supposed to be. We're making a change. It's like a year is not enough time. We need to give this a couple of years. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's big for me is, you know, have the artist feel super confident in what they're signing up for um, and hope the relationships play out and we can build a career together. To me, that sounds very much like you, because we're getting back to artist management for those, let's assume the artists have management. You and the artist manager really need to be in lockstep with, you use the word, the process, because 
you know the artist is going to be out on the road and many times the artist is talking to the manager and and possibly not you and they're going to the manager why are we in whatever town that was montana why are we in wiscogee why are we in a suburb of toledo like you said on a tuesday night and like only 12 people came out you know and they're going to question immediately and that's where i feel you and the manager have to be this is what we agreed on and we're going and the manager can't waver just like you can't and just needs to reinforce to the artist. It may have been a bad night numbers, but you don't know who is in that audience. That may have been your best night. You just don't know it. You know, that might be an intent and let's just keep going, you know? And I think that's where you guys need to keep the, be, being there. That's the psychology of working with a band, with artists, with creatives who are not as, laser focused on this because we're calling this process the business side you know they're they're looking at at the surface stuff and you're looking for depth and the manager would be too you know we're growing roots we're not just looking at the grass where we want the roots to grow deep and like you said especially with the pandemic it's not going to be done in a year you know we're elongating that anyway and i would think relationship wise you just really need to be there with the manager to reinforce it to the band so that everybody comes out at the end of this in a really good spot and then they keep going. And you hope that the relationship is strong enough where you really are working hand in hand because as it starts, listen, when it's, when it's small and it's not making money, it's, it's easy to just be rational, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, But when, when it starts making money, when the train's out of the station and something goes wrong, in this industry, people point, point the finger real fast. Yeah. And so you, you really hope that like the relationships are strong enough, you believe in each other and you're communicating as a team to the artist, uh, you know, why it is we did what we did. And also, I think it's okay to admit you, when you've made a mistake. Yeah. It's okay to swing and miss because you're not gonna hit a home run every time. You're not gonna hit a single every time. Yeah. So so long as you're right most of the time to admit the fact that you made a mistake, it, it lets the, the band have their guard down a little bit and not feel so defensive. Um, so yeah, I think I'm fortunate enough where right now in my career and at Golden Gate, I'm working with managers who believe in me, know the track record. I, most of my managers I've worked with for years and so that relationship stands and you know when we're communicating with artists whether it's together or separately we're saying the same things right um i mean i can't yeah um let's talk about the bands that you have and you mentioned 13 which is a, a solid roster size for you at what point would you feel you're you're spreading yourself a little bit too thin and now i can't I just know I'm not paying enough. My, my, I'm letting my, I'm taking my eye off the ball in a couple of cases because I have too many balls out there. I don't know that it's a number. And mm-hmm. Is that a gut feel thing kind of thing? It's, it's a gut and, and you evaluate. Mm-hmm. It's, and again, when I say there's no right way of agenting, this is just my way. This is just how, you know, I feel that I should represent my clients. 
You know, there are agents out there with very large rosters who are incredibly successful. Cause again, like you have a large roster in, you know, you can have a friend who's in a band and because agents, you don't sign anything. It's like, I want to be your agent. Okay. Well, there's nobody else to be my agent. So you're now my agent. So you, you can, you can obtain a huge roster, but reputation is so crucial and you need to have successful clients in, the, in order to sign more successful clients. So, and also a part of your question, if you love a band or it's the agents who sign off metrics and you know, there's a song that has a hundred million streams, you make the time. That, that's, just, that's just the reality of that is, you know, I think the number one excuse an agent uses for not signing a client is I don't have the time. Mm-hmm. If you want to sign the client, you're going to make the time. So there's, there's that piece of it. But for me, it's, I know there's a problem when I'm not thinking about the artist and that comes down back to either passion or like you, you're noting in the question bandwidth. And I, you know, not every band tours at the same time. I do have some artists that operate on cycles most of my roster does not operate on record cycles. They're not really in a, not so much in a record cycle age right now, but the majority of my roster tours, which then goes back to me being a live band agent. I only make money. I only have a business if my bands play live. So it's great to have millions of streams. It's great to be on television. Um, but the way that I've structured my business you, you need to play live in order for this to be successful. And that's congruent with my roster. I think also that as we were talking before, I was interrupted by an exterminator. Uh, the, um, the idea is, the, is that the agent, I always think that the a strong quality of an agent is to have that vision of where the artist is going to be six months, 12 months, three years, five years, and that certainly has to do with how you price the artist, artist today as well. How are you pricing them? Then how is that going to change? And you know, if your future to have, if you are lucky enough to have a tour that's that's long, uh, you have to have that vision. And most artists are thinking of today, yesterday, and what did their friends' band do, and and so on. So that it's always the agent and the manager to really sort of have that vision and then with that that confidence so that you go into talking to the artist about whatever's bothering them at the time and you make them a, a believer in you because you're thinking down the road not just the next meal and so on i take representing my artists incredibly serious not that other agents don't but i i have made the mistake of making it personal <laughs> uh, where you know, losing a client has had me question whether this was the right profession for me. Mm. Uh, took it so personally. And, you know, to the point of, and there's, again, no right or wrong way, but when I sign an artist, I want them to know who my family is. I want them to know the reasons why I'm working my tail off for them. There is a selfish piece of it. It's my love for music and it's to support my family. And so, you know, I've had many bands sleep 
at my house. I've cooked meals for them. I take them out to dinner. I, I invest my time in them. I mean, these things are incredibly important because I want them to know who I am as a human, not just as a business person. Um, and that, that is why I, I have to have a small roster because it'd be just so hypocritical to have such a large roster and not actually practice what I'm preaching. Yeah. But, but I think the majority of my roster, if not all of them, you know, would get on this podcast or to anyone else and say, you know, what he's saying is, is real. Like it, these are the real relationships, you know, and I do have some artists who are like, just book my shows. I'll see you at the show, handshake, hug, see you at the next show, you know, and don't really care whether or not I hop on a plane just so long as I do my job. And that's, that's fine. Like I, I'm not that sensitive to it. I, I know where I stand in all my relationships, but I do like being close to the artist. I, I think it's something that's, I'm incredibly lucky to have. And, and uh, I think I work, I work hard in general. That's just in my DNA, but you want to fight that much harder for the artists that believe in you just as much as you believe in them. So would you sign an artist that you love the artist, but you can't stand their music? No. Oh God, no. I, I have. It, it's happened. Uh, but that dates back to the fact that this is a business and, um, you know, there's a reality in me running my own business where a hundred percent of the money that comes in is mine, how I choose to spend it, expenses, whatnot. That's up to me when I'm working at a, another company, clearly a hundred percent of the money is not mine. So it's a different economic structure. And fortunately, because I've built this roster, um, I have a bit more flexibility in terms of who I'm signing and to take chances. I do need to have successful clients, of course. Um, but it was just a different economic model being at Paradigm where I had to make sure my artists were making money. Otherwise, you do it, it does become about, unfortunately, quantity and economics over quality. Mm -hmm. can, can I bring that up to you? Because going back to the corporate model of, of agenting in the 21st century. So, cause I was at record companies and we were given quarterly numbers. We were given yearly targets. Was it sort of the same thing for you in, in which was it quarterly or semi-annually or just um, this year, here's the revenue that needs to come in from you and your artists. It can be from one artist. It can be from 50 artists. I don't care. You, number 43 uh, of the 2008 or whatever, however many age, it's number 43 needs to bring in X number of dollars to the company. Is that how it works, you think? It's not how it works. Um, there's definitely people looking at your numbers, though. Mm -hmm. And if you're moving backwards, that's never a good thing. Um, I'm trying to keep the positive spin on this because I think when you get down to money, it does take on a negative tone. Um, I've, I've, listen, like all of us, I, I love money. It's a great thing. It's not the number one driving force. Um, it's certainly something I stress about, but um, 
you know, I, I felt that because I was at such a big company, um, there was an attention being brought towards revenue being brought in. And I never saw that as a motivating factor, um, especially because at the big company, you're encouraged to sign as a team. And so, of course, when you're then splitting commission, you're already splitting commission being at a company. But then when you're splitting it being on a team, the, the, the numbers are just going down. So based on that model, you then do need to have a larger roster in order to make sure the numbers are going back up. Um, to me, I just, I was always focused on my artists, developing my artists, letting them become successful. And if they're successful, then the money piece will come behind it. Um, so yeah, I think that's the most positive way I could spend the money piece. <laughs> did you guys get base salaries and then you got uh, commissions during the year? How, how did, do people get paid in the corporate system? Uh, there are a bunch of different types of deals, but yes, um, as a staff member, it was base plus bonus and, or flat bonus. And then as agent, there are different models, but more established is base versus commission split. Okay. And if you're the RA responsible agent and you're splitting that with a team, are you getting a larger percentage of a percentage? Like for example, the agency gets 10% of sales from a show and the agency keeps whatever percentage and then they give you guys the, re the balance. Does the RA get a larger percentage of that pool, we'll call it, and then everybody else who worked on it gets their piece to equal 100% of that pool that came to you guys? Completely depends. Okay. So it starts with signing the client. You know, mm -hmm. maybe I found the artist, but maybe I'm not able to sign the artist mm -hmm. unless I have one of the senior agents on the team. Maybe I just haven't established myself yet. Maybe I'm a young agent and it's, Maybe it's a big management company and it's a priority client and they don't want an up and coming agent as the only person on it. So there's an acknowledgement that I'm not, I'm not going to be able to sign it without this other agent. And so you typically would just split a 50, 50, maybe that split gets adjusted over time when it's very clear that that agent was more than capable. It was just to have the name on the, the, the piece of the figurative piece of paper. Um, and so it can get adjusted. Maybe the commission split right off the bat is more in the favor of the responsible agent. Cause everyone's just acknowledging that that person's going to do all the work. We signed it as a team. You know, I, I listened to another one of your podcasts with another agent who was talking to talking about uh, the major agency model and signing as teams. And like everything, there are pros and cons to both. Um, I've seen signing as a team be incredibly effective, um, but it's only as effective as how invested the team members are. 
And I think one major negative effect of signing as a team is you enter a room with the artist with three people and then 12 months go by. And then the artist is like, why haven't I seen John and Sally? Where did they go? Mm-hmm. And then as the response is, you're like, oh, they're working behind the scenes. It's like, as the artists, you're like, yeah, not so. so there is that piece of it. But I've also seen it like when you put three heads together, I mean, that it's almost like a super group at that point. So it's only as invested as you are, but that is why it falls back on feeling like it really matters. You know, when I'm talking to artists on the rise or, you know, when I'm talking, somebody asks for advice, I always say you want people in your corner who are going to fight for you, who really believe in you. And so it's better to have one who's incredibly passionate, who's constantly talking about you versus five. And then people are pointing the finger and nobody really knows who's responsible for what. So again, there are pros and cons with everything, but I don't, I sometimes I feel like signing as a team is a bit of a show and some artists want the show. You know, they like when the carrots dangled and maybe that artist is just not for me, which is okay. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sign every artist. Um, well, 20, 30 years ago, we, um, I remember even talking in class, we used to look at, in terms of signing with an agency, how many agents besides that one that's in love with you, one, certainly when the model was territorial, how many came out and saw you? I mean, did you have you know five times and only one person is shown and yet they want to sign you and have the authority to sign you? How deep is your relationship in that agency for, to get work? Yeah, I mean, that's totally legit. I've had managers tell me that the agency didn't care about them. In some instances, they were right. I mean, you know, I cared. And to me, that was what was important. And, you know, you do put on a bit of a show. You do then, you know, get somebody out to the show, you know, play the game a little bit. Um, But I, you know, maybe that's just not a manager that I need to be working with because if I'm successful, if the job's getting done and not just getting done, but like at an A plus level, what does it matter? It, it doesn't matter. It's just like to stroke your ego. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really all that interested in that. And maybe I lose clients or aren't, I'm not able to sign clients as a result of not playing the game as much. But at the end of the day, it's, it's about building your artists. It's about making them as successful as possible. It's not about the show. Mm-hmm. But again, that's just how I look at it. And it's not necessarily right or wrong. Well, I think we need to wrap it up at this point. Yeah, I was just going to say that. This was a... Actually, this is because we've had, as you mentioned, other interviews with just before. But some of the things that we've been able to touch upon, we haven't been able to speak about with them. So I think this was actually really... Really good. And uh, I really appreciate you being open and honest about how things work. And I encourage people to go to, what's the website? Is it goldengateartists.com? Golden Agency. Gate Agency. 
Yeah, goldengateagency.com. Check out the artists, stream their music, listen to them. It's, it's, it's some pretty cool stuff. So you have, you have a really cool roster of artists. So um, we appreciate Jason Kupperman being yeah. here because he was the man today. Oh, well, thank you guys. And I, I love talking about this stuff. I think that shines through. I appreciate you guys and uh, do it anytime. Awesome. So Mark, thank you for being here tonight today thank you too and stay warm i will stay warm in northern new jersey and jason will stay warm in new jersey and you stay warm in florida and jason at the end of every show we do not say hello because it's the end of the show and that makes no sense so do you know what we say at the end of every show maybe you do because you claim to have listened to some of our podcasts which may be not true yeah, no, you shouted something. I, yeah, I, I shouted, I, I shouted, adios! Yeah, adios. There you go. I mean thing. Yes, adios. Sweet, sweet dreams As you breathe And I am a breeze I wish you much success I hope you bump a cigarette From the wrong guy Hope your life You could say I have spy You would be right Now I would never wish bad wishes on you You lived a whole size of California Maybe one day we can reconcile Are those California poppies doing their job? Is the West Coast treating you well, my love? Is the West Coast just right on the scene? See you.